Hi, I'm your host, Connie Aline, and thank you for tuning in to The Fly Behind the Wall, a podcast created to change the narrative about the realities of life in the United States prisons and jails. Mass incarceration virtually disseminates entire communities and destroys the economic fabric and social networks that exist. Our prisons are no longer just cinder block and steel bars, but human warehouses. My goal is to return the systematic disenfranchisement and destruction of American lives back to public conversation. So join me behind the wall. So welcome to the Fly Behind the Wall, and thank you so much for joining me again. You guys have been really great. I mean, really, really great with supporting me and really being present and reaching out if you don't hear me or see me posting another uh, episode. So I appreciate the support. Um, Today, we're going to explore conflict. And so you can imagine in a place like the Department of Corrections, there's probably tons of conflict, right? So, you know, let's kind of just talk about conflict a little bit. You know, that refers to some form of friction or discord that arises within a group when the beliefs or actions of one or more of the groups are either resisted by or unacceptable to one or more members of another group. And so... The fact that there are so many different organizations under the corrections umbrella, you can imagine that there's some significant conflict that arises. And then you just add in the, the fun uh, sort of dynamic of dealing with the criminal element and you know the offender population that kind of knows how to manipulate folks that are currently in conflict because they hear about it, right? Like their ears are always to the ground and they typically know when there's something a brewing. So I do hope that, you know, ultimately my reflections and my insights will help to broaden your understanding of correctional life for employees and inmates. So let's get started. So conflict behind the wall is inevitable, you know, I mean, given the multiple layers of uh, organizations, the structure is complex, just everything about corrections makes it very difficult for you to not have conflict, right? Um, Everyone has their own agenda when you come to the table, right? So corrections has their very own agenda which they're being held accountable for, right? Corrections administration in any facility, there are strategic objectives and initiatives that they need to be working towards, working towards achieving, whatever those are. You know, depending on the administration in that facility, they may or may not have had some input into uh, those particular objectives, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to still be held accountable for those same objectives. They are still held accountable. And so you've got corrections administration and you've got officers who like their focus is the safety and security of the environment, right? Of the people, of the inmates, of the actual physical environment, right? You know, we don't want escapes happening, right? Um, 
and really the community, right? Because those are the people who impacted if we aren't keeping the offenders secure in the facility. So safety, security, control, those are really like the focus of corrections. Um, For civilians, on the other hand, their focus is really whatever their organization has like um, established as a priority, right? So if you're in mental health, here are our goals and objectives for mental health, right? Whether it's reducing suicide, whether it's monitoring our mental observation unit, whether it's increasing encounters, more group activities, you know, different group activities. Um, For medical, it could be just making sure we are providing adequate and appropriate medical care. You know, are we meeting the community standards? Are we meeting the guidelines, whichever guidelines you follow, whether it's ACA, whether it's NCCHC, are we meeting those guidelines as a community, as a medical community, right? And I think the other thing from the medical perspective is really, if I were in the community providing care to a, a, a regular patient, not an offender, are these the same steps that I would take? Am I skipping steps because I'm here? Am I skipping steps because I don't have the resources here? Like there's, there's usually drivers either way for something sort of varying off from whatever like the community standard is. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, you know, the nature of the business makes it inherently litigious. And therein lies the conflict, right? Everyone has got to protect themselves, right? You, That's like sort of survival, right? Protect yourself. And then, you know, it's like, okay, I might be aware of the bigger picture and I want to protect my broader organization. How do I do that while protecting myself, right? How am I making sure that I'm somewhat in alignment with what my organization is expecting me to do? Now, mind you, you should be in full alignment with your organization. So I'm not saying that there's necessarily a choice, but I mean, as individuals, we have autonomy when we're in our work environment. Unless you are in manufacturing, for example, and you know this widget has to fit this thing, it has to be to these specs, and you have no choice in that you know scenario. The expectation is that, you know, civilians, officers, in corrections, everyone is doing their best to meet the overall goals and objectives of the Department of Corrections, right? So there's something built into that, though, which is everyone knows what those goals and objectives are. And quite honestly, That's not the truth. You don't always know what's the new strategic initiative, right? Maybe you were privy to a conversation, you might have overheard something, but that's not something that's always communicated. And sometimes I get it, you know, from this perspective of a safety and security thing, if there's something new that we're doing that we don't want everyone to know, right? Because it could somehow impact the safety and security of the environment, then that information kind of stays silent. Silent to the public, right? But internally, folks should know that from this point forward, this is how we're going to do this particular procedure, which is different from how we've always done it because of this thing, 
whatever that thing is, right? So, I mean, there are no trainings that you can be subjected to that's going to actually teach you how to handle this misalignment. And I mean, misalignment in an environment where the stakes are so high. And arguably, there are, there's, there's way too much ambiguity in managing the layers of prison politics for there to truly be a quote-unquote training to teach folks how to deal with conflict when it arises. And I say when because conflict is inevitable. It's not a matter of if, you know. However, I think we can agree that with conflict comes misalignment and there are steps that can be taken to align people and organizations. So, I mean, here's the thing though, right? Alignment takes planning. It takes hard work. It takes communication. It's not something that's just going to come naturally, you know. Um, But when you do think of alignment and corrections, no one person has the ability to make sure we're all aligned, right? Um, Alignment really falls on the shoulders of DOC because... We're in their house, you know, they have the final say that there has to be an effort made for all, like all employees to see beyond their individual goals and their team goals to be able to embrace or like buy into the mission and the vision as their own. Like I have to own that. I have to be like, all right, well, I can't do this thing because of xyz it, but you have to know what the xyz is right you might think like oh well there's no big deal i can just do this thing whatever that thing is um but if you don't understand what the mission is what the vision is you can't really just embrace that just for the sake of embracing right you know employees they want to they want i honestly i feel that most employees want to do the right thing, right? Are there times where they don't do the right thing? Certainly. Are there times where they don't even know it's not the right thing in the environment? I mean, some things are just right and wrong. There's no debate in any environment that it's right or wrong. But there are some things that you just don't know is not the right thing. And sometimes it's just experience. You know, yes, there are tons of administrative directives and employee handbooks and all that stuff. But who reads all those pages? Like, really? And that's not to say you shouldn't read them. Absolutely, you should read it. Because therein is all of the goodness and all the ways you're going to be able to protect yourself and learn about this environment, right? But everyone doesn't always know the big picture. And I think the the challenge is that in corrections, it's really difficult to make sure that all goals that are created contribute to the overall department vision and that they relate back to like the individuals, the individual employees' personal goals or what they do best, right? So you have Dr. J, right? So Dr. J is a great, I don't know, internal medicine person, right? Um, however, DOC has some very strict rules about treating 
inmates in the medical unit for this thing that Dr. J has very strong feelings about. Now, Dr. J feels I am the doctor. I create the treatment plan. I know what's best. DOC is not saying I'm a doctor and I can come up with what's best. DOC is saying there is a conflict with the thing you want to do and so you can't do it. Now, when things like that happen, you know, you come to the table, you have a team meeting, you try to figure out how we can get this treatment to this particular offender and still meet the needs of DOC. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's a matter of moving that offender from that facility to someplace else that can accommodate those particular needs that Dr. J thinks that the offender needs right? DLC isn't always necessarily going to want to be the one to compromise on that thing that could cause a breakdown in safety and security, right? That could somehow set a precedence in the facility that they're not comfortable setting. And so being able to communicate certain things back and forth and be open is really the, the golden nugget in the situation. I mean, one area that I've personally observed as an opportunity in corrections is communication, right? And so while there, you know, typically something happens, there's a there's a big memo that gets drafted, it gets sent out, whether it's emailed or not, it's spoken about in roll call, it's spoken about in staff meetings, it's posted in different places where like um, employees could see it posted. But I think at the end of the day, it isn't this incident happened, we send out this communication or we have this couple of days of communicating about it and then the issue becomes invisible, right? It's not this one big thing. And so the challenge is the messaging isn't always consistent and and then it stops, right? But there has to be this active role that corrections plays in communicating the vision so that employees, all employees, that's the sworn, the non-sworn, the volunteers, they all, one, know what the goals are, two, they can contribute to those goals. So like they have to know how do they contribute to those goals. And three, it's really, how are we doing on the goal so far? So that one communication you sent out in the beginning and then we hear nothing else about it ever again, like that only does part like, okay, so we've kind of raised the awareness by letting people know it's out there. But if we don't continue to communicate anything about that, people forget because it's the next fire, right? The next fire will come out or come up and you won't really know what it is. So, I mean... How do we follow through and make sure not only have we communicated whatever the goals are, but we've also given an update like, oh, so this is how we're doing. So this is what our goal was. This is what we accomplished last month. This is what we're anticipating. This is how we're going to close this out. Right. Because now it becomes not just some thing that came up in passing, but like a real thing that we're all working towards which builds a sense of camaraderie. It kind of makes you understand the importance of the thing, whatever that particular thing is in the moment. And really, it just, 
helps people to know like where they stand, right? Um, but let's get back to conflict, right? You know, so one thing that I've really found is that when there are conflicts in facilities, like it's never just a thing that's on the on the surface, right? So I would caution anyone who's addressing an area of conflict, and that's not even just in prison, that's just in general. Like find out, look for what that root cause was for the conflict. That superficial answer that you get at, at the surface, like that's typically not it, right? Um, so as an administrator, I've done a great deal of conflict resolution. I mean, especially in a unionized environment where you have employees who are supposed to be united, right? Standing together, supporting each other, um, sort of in conflict with each other. And so for certain, I've learned that not only do you not take like that superficial answer, but you also talk to all the people involved. You listen carefully. You try to prioritize those areas of conflict. So if I address this thing, the big thing, does it help all the other little things go away, right? Um, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, right? But you focus on like the behavior and not not the people because then people take it personal. I mean, conflicts are typically personal, right? So we don't want to eliminate that as like a a component that you have to consider but I think when you're trying to resolve a conflict it's much easier or it's more efficient or effective if you focus on the behavior and the event and not on the personalities so like you can develop a plan you make sure you follow through you build on those successes to make sure that the conflict doesn't resurface, right? I mean, you do your best to find something peaceful or a peaceful way to resolve it. I mean, and understand that this disagreement might not just go away, but it's okay if we agree to disagree, right? <coughs> Excuse me. But what I think is most important is that you've actually done the due diligence to understand what is at the root of this conflict? And if there are things that can be resolved, then that's great. But then really, what is the cause of most conflicts? You know, a lack of common understanding. I don't understand what she's saying. I don't understand what she's doing. Like that's usually where conflict comes or like just poor communication in general, right? If I'm not communicating clearly to someone, then they just not going to get it right? And so I just interpreted, however, and I took it and run with it. Um, it could just be folks are not clear about expectations, you know, or even are those expectations fair? I mean, conflict will come. And then, you know, we're in correction. So here's the reality. Power plays, like those power plays, they they come into this whole conflict thing with a whole different energy, right? Now now you've got a conflict with a captain and you're the secretary, right? Or you got, you know, a deputy warden and a lieutenant. I mean, it's just so many different ways conflict presents itself in the environment. And so um, 
I've had the personal experience of going through an NCCHC accreditation. Uh, that's going through the process of making sure the facility as a whole is prepared for the NCCHC surveyor when they arrive, that, you know, the health records are all intact. Like all these, there's a whole book of standards that need to be met, like standards of care. You know, inmate writes a letter. Did what, you know, were we responsive to the letter? You have X amount of time to respond to the letter you know, or a grievance, or someone requests to see medical or mental health, or someone wants to go into a program, somebody wants to be in uh, treatment. Um, the doctor is supposed to see the offenders within X amount of time of coming into the facility. Same thing with mental health. I mean, there's so many moving parts, right? Then you've got the component of working ice machines. Do you have... Um, someone's insulin in the fridge are they are they marked are the needles collected is the um like the meds being discarded appropriately i mean that when i say there's tons of stuff that have to be you know in place and you should be practicing on a regular basis to go through the nccchc accreditation or reaccreditation process it's a lot right and so um, we were going through the process. We were preparing. Medical was preparing. We were reviewing all the health records. We were making sure, you know, all the T's were dotted, all the all the T's were crossed, all the I's were dotted, and there were some issues in like the infirmary. So the waiting area to get into a medical appointment, there was like a leak that was coming down, and oh, we fixing it, we fixing it, we fixing it. We kept, you know, medical kept going to corrections and saying hey can you help us out you know facilities management was trying to do their things like you know everyone I think was making best efforts but it just wasn't getting done and you know was there a financial component yes you know there were already some projects underway that financial um, allocations have been made for and so this thing just wasn't a priority however NCCHC was coming and this would have been an issue. I mean, aside from it being an OSHA issue for employees, corrections, and civilians, as well as for the inmates, um, it was something that needed to be taken care of. So, I mean, literally, I recall going to the warden and saying, hey, listen, we've got this going on in the waiting area. We've inspected some of the showers and have seen mold in the showers like we just need it done like we don't have the time to be hemming and hawing about what money need gonna be spent what ain't gonna be spent blah, blah, blah. like we don't have the time for that we just need to do it and so I mean clearly I didn't speak like that to the warden but that's where I was coming from right this is what we need to get done and initially, like, you know, he just wanted me to back off because he wanted me to understand he was under these financial constraints and he really didn't have what he needed in order to make the call. And I said, well, I'm going to need to escalate this on my end because this is not going to be a reason why we don't get reaccredited. It just wasn't going to be. So I escalate on my end. I, but I let him know that, right? It wasn't like I was doing some sneak thing where he didn't know I was going to go and speak to someone else. 
But that's my role. So as the administrator, I'm trying to make sure everything is in place. I've got nursing supervisors doing their part. I've got nurses offline to do their part. We've got making sure like inmate care is where it needs to be. I'm advocating for overtime where I need to advocate for like authorization for overtime because we need it. I mean, I'm talking to the warden on everything. There are certain captains who had a great deal of, um, I guess, informal and formal power. And relationships with those people were amazing. And so I had to be able to go and say, hey, Captain, can you make sure this happens in the unit? Sure, Connie, when you want this done. Or even if there was someone else who had a better relationship with another captain, I'm like, hey, can you talk to him and see if we can get the mental health unit painted? Can we check with this one to see if we can get this ice machine fixed? I mean, just simple stuff that you have to learn how to do, right? And I think those are those soft skills that are probably missing. Um, But many of us know how to tap into those soft skills and bring them to the table so that we can accomplish the bigger goals and minimize conflict, because that's not really what we want there to be. We don't want there to be tons of conflict in the environment where there's already tons of conflict, you know? Um, So ultimately, I think as things escalated and the survey was getting closer to about to happen, like the warden got word to the right people and we were able to get things fixed up and cleaned up and prepared and all that goodness. And I think it really is just a matter of understanding that while we all are in the environment and we may have conflicting agendas, at the end of the day, the broader mission in that particular case was that we wanted the facility to remain an NCCHC accredited facility. And I needed to push the issue in order to make sure it happened. I think pushing the issue let the captain know it was not okay for him to say, oh, we just can't do it. It let the deputy warden know, say, oh, it's just not okay for us to do not do it. And then it let the warden know, I've respected the chain of command. I've talked to all these people. We still haven't been able to accomplish this thing and it needs to get done. And now I'm talking to you and you're telling me there's a question about finance. And I'm telling you, this is not something we can compromise on. So I'm going to have to escalate that to the next person that I need to talk to so that there isn't any confusion about where I stand and what actions I've had to take in order to get something done. I feel that ultimately, in the end, when we are able to align as organizations, we have a happier workforce We have an engaged workforce and in corrections, the last thing we need is employees who are not engaged, who are not buying in to the mission and the vision because it puts us all in a very vulnerable space. No matter what David and Goliath situation you find yourself in, remember the words of Rosa Parks. You must never be fearful about what you're doing when it is right. I hope that I've given you enough to continue a healthy conversation 
about our incarcerated citizens and civilian employees who work in corrections. Thank you so much for listening as I continue to make my own slice of the world a little better. You have just listened to The Fly Behind the Wall, now available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and other listening platforms. Be sure to subscribe, share, and write a review. Join me next time, Behind the Wall.